La Grande Bouchelle is upon us. It's the Tour de France, stage one. Let's cue that intro. The big question is this. How do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness, and our longevity? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh, and welcome to the Roadman Podcast. Roadman, welcome back. It's the 2021 Tour de France and stage one is upon us. The grand part was this morning and it was an action-packed first stage. And probably the talking points today are for all the wrong reasons. Unfortunately, uh, it is, as I said yesterday, it's the 108th edition. It's a race, obviously, that marks out the high point of the calendar for almost all the world tour trade teams it's a marketing stunt we see with uh, Jumbo Visma riding blue tires to you know honor a new sponsor they have on board so it's for all those reasons the extra media attention that it just becomes this cauldron of nervous energy especially in the first week of the grand tour and it's notorious for being a very sketchy first week and when you marry that with the narrow roads in britannia with the no runoff on the edge of the roads the exposed nature of it how nervous the peloton was going to be i flagged this yesterday that this was going to be an absolute crash fest and mystic meg that i am i got it right today it was 197 kilometers we went from brest to lernan you we had four four category climbs and two third category climbs including that three kilometer uphill kick at 5.6 percent which was topping out at 14 percent roadman before i unpack today's action and drama just a reminder about patreon I'm going to be coming to you all during the Tour de France with reaction, news, interviews, just keeping you up to date on exactly what's happening so you don't have to go to 10 different sources. I'm also going to try and give you an unbiased, unfiltered through any particular lens type opinion. So in order to do that, this whole model, it works on what i've been calling a model of soundness it's so many podcasters right now are taking their podcast and they're putting it behind luminary or they're putting it behind patreon and you know a fraction of you guys will come across to to listen to the podcast behind these services but i'm going to lose a lot of the audience but it's still going to add up to a big number of cash in my pocket when people come across to listen to it but i don't want to do that because i don't want to deprive the people who can't afford the podcast access to the podcast so Instead of me putting it behind one of these paid walls, what I'm doing is I'm giving it away for free to you guys on this model of soundness that if you can't afford it and you would be paying over on Patreon or Luminary for the podcast if it was behind this fired wall, that I'm asking you to just dig in and pay a fiver a month, the price of a pint of beer, and that way the lads who can't afford it can keep listening to it for free so that's the model and it's over on patreon.com forward slash anthony underscore walsh so yeah i'm appealing to your soundness lads right uh this stage like what the fuck the first crash okay so we two crashes i don't even know which one is bigger they're both horrifically big the first crash was unforgivable the first crash is some like ape ape is all they can be described as standing out back to the race action so they can't see where the riders from come are coming from holding a cardboard cutout with some french saying on it 
And she's only gone and brought Tony Martin down. He's no road to go around her. The roads are packed. It's nervous. He goes down and literally the riders go like dominoes behind them. Almost the entire bunch went down. Roglic included. We had one of the DSM riders abandoning the Tour de France on day one. And like the consequences of this piece of stupidity. There are some things that riders consent to. And it's obviously my background uh, being law. Consent within sport is an interesting area. It's If you're playing a football match and someone breaks your leg with a late tackle, arguably you consent to that. You consent to there being contact. You consent to there being a possibility that you could get damaged like a broken leg. But if you're playing a football match and you're taking a corner and the referee runs over and punches you or flattens you with the corner flag, you definitely don't consent to that. So... Because you don't consent to it, it gives rise to criminal prosecutions. I would argue that on a crash like this, on stage one of the Tour de France, you do not consent to this. The fan is on the road. The fan has no business being on the road. And riders' livelihoods are gone. Like, what does it mean for the DSM rider to not continue the Tour de France? I don't know his contractual status. Will he not get a contract next year now? Can he not go and ride the Olympics? The consequences for this stuff are fucking massive. People's lives and people's careers are at stake and it's not good enough to just go, oh shit, I had a few cans of beer and I didn't realise I was going to bring down half the bunch. There has to be an investigation into that type of stuff by the gendarme or it's going to keep happening. Fans are such a big part of the sport and we love it so much, but it has to be boundaries. Fans have to be accountable to each other and to themselves for that sort of conduct. It's fucking ridiculous. So crash number two with six kilometers to go, I would argue this is the sort of crash that you consent to. Somebody makes a mistake within the bunch and goes down. It's a massive crash. It's regrettable. Froome got fucked in it. Everyone got milled. It was a huge crash and it was a high speed crash. But it's a race incident, not like the first crash where that fan needs criminal criminal prosecution. The second crash, it, look, it's gone down all over the road again. It's 6K to go. Quick step are already riding, and we've seen this time and again. It's the etiquette around, do, do you start riding, or do you stop riding, or do you continue riding when there's a crash? I think it's pretty accepted etiquette within the bunch that if you're already riding, your team is already in position, and there's a crash, you continue riding. And that's what Quick Step did. They continued riding, and they rode right into the base of the climb, into that, as I said, that three kilometer long climb at 5.6%. But there was sections at the start up to 14%. And Quick Step, they lit the few, they lit the few so hard and so fast into that that they caught some people out. They caught, we talked about Matthew Vanderpoel being pre-race favourite yesterday. This was nailed on for him. And I don't know, I think there was a combination of maybe the crash spooked them and caught them a bit far back maybe Quickstep played it well and took it up super early or maybe there's just all this media pressure on Vanderpoel with the special jerseys for the day that's in it to honour his granddad Raymond Poulidor we know that he's heading home early from the Tour de France to ride the Olympics um, you know he was just so nailed on for this stage maybe that got to him as well but Quickstep dominated it and they rode man after man after man into the bottom and then Philippe exploded from man two there was only a couple of people that could respond. It was Pierre Latour was actually the closest to responding. And then we seen Pogaccia and Roglic interestingly marking each other out with Roglic unwilling to help Pogaccia in the chase to try and close down Alaphilippe. But Alaphilippe was absolutely scintillating and went on to win the stage. 
And, you know, the thing with Alaphilippe is, and we see this time and time again, it's not just that Alaphilippe wins, it's the style that Alaphilippe wins in. It's the je ne sais quoi, it's the magic element that he has, and that's why he's a household name, not just in cycling in France, but in sport in France. He has panache. I call him the housewife's favourite, and he is. He is a good-looking bastard. And look, you're going to get the inevitable questions now. Can he win the tour overall? And look, he's not a GC rider. He's stage hunting. But we've talked about these four days in Britannia being particularly difficult days. He's in the yellow jersey. And he could take more time again tomorrow. It's They don't seem to have an answer to him. And the climbs aren't as steep this year. They're longer climbs. There's only 50 kilometers of TT. We know he can TT as well. Can he win the tour? <sighs> Look, I don't know. I don't think he can win the Tour de France, but I think it's still Pogaccia, Roglic, Thomas. None of them lost time today. And, you know, they're still sitting in pole position for me. But Alaphilippe could go deep into this race wearing the Meyer Jean. So we had crossing the line today. We had Julien Alaphilippe taking a famous stage win. And he has a new son as well. So congratulations to him. I'm sure a double, double whammy and a double celebration for him. We had... Friend of the show, Michael Bling Matthews taking second and Roglic coming in and taking third. There's definitely people I feel sorry for today. I One of them isn't that fan who stood out. I know they're going to get shock and abuse and vitriol on social media. But you know what, fuck them. They deserve every bit of abuse they get. The mechanics are going to have such a late night after two crashes where basically the whole bunch went down. There's so many bikes to just get rebuilt today. And then there's so many dreams that are just gone on stage one of the Tour de France. Like, Superman Lopez for Movie Star. Like, apparently his training has gone great. He's a good shout for a top five. And he already finds himself 1 minute and 50 down. Guillaume Martin also 1 minute and 50 down. So it's just... It's brutal. Theo Gagan Hart, I think, another man who lost time today. So it's just such a brutal start. And we want to be talking about the stage for all the right reasons. And not that, because it's shit. Especially the first crash. Um, rant over on that. Tomorrow it's 183.5 kilometers from Perot to the Mur de Bretagne, the famous climb, and we're going up to Moor twice. The Moor is absolutely nailed on for Julian Alaphilippe again. It's a Matthew van der Poel style climb as well. So, look, we'll see can either of those boys pull it off tomorrow. Looking at today, very, very hard to bet against the housewives' favorite, Julian Alaphilippe. Roadmen, thank you for listening to stage one of the Tour de France podcast. Please do all that good stuff that helps the podcast continue. Be a true roadman because that's how this community grows and that's how this whole thing sustains. We can't we can't compete against the likes of GCN and these big brands with huge cash unless you guys help out. And that's the small things. It's like sharing the podcast into groups, the WhatsApp groups, Facebook, onto your Instagram stories. Follow me over on Instagram, roadman.cycling. Buy me a pint of beer over on Patreon and liking, reviewing, subscribing to the podcast wherever you listen to it. Roadman, I do appreciate it and I'm going to talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, Roadman. Ride safe. Hey everybody, it's Anthony again. Really quick, I want to invite you to join arguably the best thing I've ever put out inside the Roadman community. It's a challenge. It's a challenge called the 14-day Kickstart Challenge. So regardless of where your fitness is at right now, this is going to be the catalyst for making you faster and making you leaner. I've created this challenge 
to take the guesswork out of everything. It's 14 days of training plans, regardless of what your level is. There's masters, beginner, advanced. There's meal plans, shopping list, and even a video course holding your hand and talking you through it all. So what I recommend you do right now is just stop everything, press pause on this audio, and go to roadmancycling.com forward slash 14 day, or check out the link in the bio. That's roadmancycling.com slash 14 day.